0: And I'm speaking to Kimberly Powell, who is a physiotherapist, a very good physiotherapist. She works by a Winchester business. She's been in practice many years and she's been kind enough to grace me with her presence and her voice and to give us some information that some inf- interesting information that I think will be beneficial in the spirit of what we're doing. So, hello, Kimberly. Hello,
1: Ryan. <laughs> No, no, no! It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate that. Well,
0: I really, I really, you know, after we had some discussions, and it was looking it, at one point, it wasn't looking positive that you're going to do it. So I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> glad. <You> no, <know, laughs> I can't
1: explain. There was one simple, simple reason why. As I said, I. Do not particularly enjoy the sound of my voice. <laughs> well, it sounds
0: very good. I tell you that. You know, I think all of us are like that, actually. I hope so, Lord. Anyway, so I, 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 I do get asked these people interested in medicine and various branches of medicine and aspects of medicine. So maybe, maybe we could get into what exactly a physiotherapist is what do you do and if you can further elaborate the ways in which you do it
1: well it i think the best way to to say it is to say it in a more simple way rather than using the definition right Uh, Pretty much what a physical therapist is, is a paramedical or we work alongside doctors. And our area is actually rehabilitation Uh, that really speaks to anyone who has a condition that has affected their function and or, you know, mobility, their ability to move around and to do their daily activities in a nutshell.
0: Excellent. And uh, typically, although people associate it, I find, at least in my practice, with joints and, and broken bones and that sort of thing.
1: Orthopedics, yes. Everybody thinks that what we do primarily is orthopedics. But actually, just like medicine, you have physiotherapists who specialize. So you have physiotherapists who will specialize in pediatrics, gotcha. neurology. Gotcha. Um, orthopedics also has subspecialties as well because I um, really focus more so on foot and ankle and on hand injuries. That's my forte. That's where I have a lot of experience. However, when I was at KPH, I worked in ICU and premature nursery over at Victoria Jubilee. So you have physiotherapists who would you know do what would be seen as respiratory therapy because here we're it, it's a little bit different here or in the era that I was trained. Yes. But it's a wide and varied field. And of course everybody knows about the physiotherapists who specialize in sports rehab.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: That's popular. Yes. A lot of young people ask me that. So, you know, do you work with athletes?
0: And since you're on this topic, Kimberly could you give them an idea like how long the course is and how do they go about? Doing it and that kind of thing, becoming a physio.
1: Well, no, uh, the School of Physiotherapy is actually located up at the University of the West Indies under the Faculty of Medical Sciences, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they have a BSc and a Masters at the school. Uh, I think you can do your Masters in Physical Therapy and your Masters in Sports Medicine because there's a School of Sports Medicine. No, I. The BSc, I might be wrong because, yeah. of course, I, can't, I graduated uh, 21 years ago. Yeah, wow. twenty-one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Ran, she doesn't uh, look I, like doesn't that. But... Her, and you're not that much. You're not very far from me. No, no, no.
0: I, I wasn't going this close. I, you know, not very far at all. So. Not very
1: far at all. <laughs> um, but it, it, I think it's a four-year course. And the master's will be another 18 months, I believe. Yeah. But uh, you also have the option of doing your PhD or doctor of physiotherapy also overseas. You can do um, also specialist masters in other countries as well. A lot of uh, colleagues have done that. It depends on your area of interest. Uh, many people branch off into research. Uh, some people, uh, you know, specialize in cardiopulmonary or what you would call respiratory therapy. Um, it it. It's it's a huge field actually.
0: And in terms of what kind of background would they require and what do you think is beneficial in order to pursue it?
1: Uh, to matriculate, I I know it would be the sciences, but I, I do hear of people who have, you know, like their their cape in um you know history and so on, but in the course itself, because it is mirrored to you know the the courses that a doctor would do the sciences are very helpful I can tell you and the physics and the math make a big difference in the course because when you are doing something like biomechanics and you know moments comes back to haunt you, you you realize that you know physics is helpful you know when you're in high school you hated physics and thought you would never use this it haunts you in physical therapy because you know we are actually you know a a machine an organic machine
0: exactly.
1: it's helpful to have that background you know biology chemistry you know especially when you're doing like biochemistry and physiology it is really all comes together and then we also do research methods so when you do mathematics and you do statistics that was a big help for me because i found it to be very very straightforward and simple and a lot of people struggled so it depends it depends it cannot but it's just that your background is helpful
0: and in terms of the rigor before we leave this area (laughs) uh, the difficulty then Uh, of the course we found it in terms of how difficult it is to pursue it it, uh, in terms of difficulty in studying and
1: it's it's different now because it's actually more you know they have free sessions and holidays when we did the course i mean basically we're you know you didn't get time off because in your time off, you were in the clinics, you were, you know, doing the practical aspects. So it was a rough course. I mean, we had anatomy in the evenings up until I think like six or seven o'clock. It was a heavy course at that time, but they actually, I do think they have made it more palatable (laughs) in these modern times. I think it's more, you know, it's it's a lot less rigorous, I would think.
0: Yes, um, yes. You know, it's some good and some bad. Uh, some of the, the students are fine in medicine. We believe there's one way to do it, but definitely. there is benefit, in my opinion, uh, this to doing certain sound fundamentals in depth, Yes. that usually serves you for your career. It diff- I'm it sure makes some a
1: difference, of... and even further, like when you do further study, um. Because you have, um, you know, like the different courses, like when you're doing a PhD, statistics is like your life because all you're doing is research. You know, teaching as well, yes. But, you know, when you're doing a thesis and so on, the statistics, like the mathematics, Mm -hmm. it really, really made a big difference, um, you know, when doing that. But also, um, looking at the course in its entirety, it really is not that you cannot but you're gonna have more of a challenge so it would not be a deterrent but it's just an understanding of what you're taking on
0: exactly so it's sort of like everything in medicine you have to realize that the best outcome even for people that are highly intelligent and so many of them i'm sure in your field my field nursing it it, it's such the 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 amount of material is what is going to get you so yes. it, it's just too much so it really it's not the sort of thing you have to really this is where desire helps even if you're highly yeah. intelligent because you're going to there's some times when it's going to you know you're going to be thinking about doing other things with your time but yeah you're going to have to even put in I think there's a gentleman in a book called Atomic Habits where he's, he recommends you do at least five minutes or a minute. Is that with a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. So you do a little bit of the thing every day. And that that would that's the kind of mindset you have to have, I tell people. And uh, and I realize the better better medics, you know, your area, my area, and all the areas. Those mm-hmm. are the ones that used to, that sort of used to do it like that, or if it wasn't actual reading, it was interacting with the material in some way or patience, right. or that kind of thing, you know. And no,
1: so- but I do that all the time, and the one thing that I would, my piece of advice for everyone especially in the medical field, because I'm not, I can't speak to any other field. I've never studied anything else, but I know and I can tell people that it is an infinite amount of information and you will never learn it all. However, what you will grasp as you progress is the value of the access to all of that information. Because when you have a particular case and you can refer to a source and you can refer to your mentors and your colleagues, and you, know, you can read journals and you can look at the current information, it, it really makes a big difference when you can look at it like that. So it's easy to become overwhelmed and to think that I, because I remember um, the first week of anatomy with Dr. Sujatama, uh, Sujata, I told her, I'll never learn this. I will never, my head is too tough. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm going to fail. I'm going to drop out. I will never, because I was so overwhelmed in the first semester. Yes. Yes. And I, in my viva, because physiotherapists do a viva every exam. No. Failing or not, you have your viva. And that first five, I got an excellent score. Wow. It was shocking to me. But when I went in there, things came out of my mouth and I didn't know where they were coming from. But that's the thing. When you keep practicing, because that's what academia is, it's a practice. When you keep practicing the information, discussing it, using it, looking at it all the time, surrounding yourself with it, you absorb it.
0: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That that That's really just the nature of the profession. So everybody, anybody listening to this, please bear this in mind if you decide to go down this road. So <laughs> I... Yeah, that is
1: like a cautionary tale, guys. Yes. <laughs> in
0: order to pre-talk, Kimberly, one of the things we had discussed, which is something I really never thought about, is... The shoes that you wear on your feet and yep. the importance of wearing proper sized shoes. Uh, There's a reason for this, but I'd love to hear it from you if and what it's all about and why we should, why, why is it better to wear the proper sized shoes?
1: All right. If anyone has ever noticed their feet, right? Any thickening of this skin on any part of your foot any deformity or abnormality any discomfort that you may feel in your feet it is usually usually as a result of your shoes and I have in practice because I did a a stint at rehab plus and um pedorthics is what was really what I was doing there which is feet the orthotics and the orthopedic footwear and the problems and the deformities and the skeletal, you know, malalignment, all of those aspects of the foot. I realized that 99% of people, after we sized their, you know, did the shoe size with the Brannock device, you ask them, what size shoe do you wear? And they would tell you. And 99% of the time they were off by two to three sizes, not one, two to three. So when you look at, you know, the hammer toes, meaning the toes are bent and, you know, you have the corns and the calluses and, you know, the the plantar fasciitis and all these challenges that people face, the most basic aspect of health is making sure that you have a pair of proper fitting, supportive shoes. It makes a huge difference for your like the mechanics of your body and also it translates into your other joints.
0: So the suppose I am a stylish young man and I like to wear the there are these pointy yes. shoes that are in I think they're still in vogue. Oh, of course. It's uh, yeah. like a kind of nightmare. Is that can is that recommended or not or It looks like a nightmare to put on, but my feet are fairly wide. So I I could never even fit in it. But
1: no, what I always say to people, women and men, because a lot of people like to a lot of orthopedic surgeons like to comment on the shoe choices of women. And I say to them, but men have the same issue because men usually have on ill-fitting or shoes that are not helping, you know, them to, you know, be healthy on their feet. What I usually say to them when they wear shoes like that is that if you are truly, you know, into fashion, wouldn't you want your feet to look attractive when you remove your shoes? And everybody says yes. And then I say to them, well, if you're going to wear a shoe with a narrow toe box where your toes are, it's going to force your big toe to push your second toe. And then your little toe is because all of your toes have to be squished. Into your toe box. And if you keep molding your foot into a shoe like that, you're going to look like you have a bunion. More than likely, you're going to have corns and calluses as well. And for a lot of people, they also develop hammer toes as well, where the toes start to curl because there's not enough space.
0: So the summary is that sort of shoe is generally, although it might look cosmetically, it might look good generally the the, you guys wouldn't recommend that kind of shoe at all
1: no it's it's not your toes need room they need to sit where they're supposed to your big toe is not supposed to be crowding your other toes every toe is supposed to have its own space you know
0: i did encounter that they, they believe that they want to have a shoe that you can quote-unquote shoe because it's a sneaker that can be a little bit big is is the sneaker is that uh, do you agree with that or they um, yeah
1: i don't find that uh, a lot of people wear the proper size for their sneakers either i find that most people their sneakers are usually too small because you can easily as a practitioner if you want to check a shoe size When the person is standing, ask them to wiggle their toes and you'll see where the toes are in the shoe. And then when you look at the end of the shoe, you need to have at least a half an inch of space or, you know, a half an inch of space in your shoe. You need to have space between your longest toe and the end of the shoe. Your toe is not supposed to be, you know, rubbing against the end of your shoe. You're supposed to have space because um, during the course of the day you tend to get a little bit of swelling and you especially get more swelling if you're having like issues
0: and they're they're saying that the what the argument they made was that the the circulation you you're allowed for the swelling and that the blood will circulate a little easier yes uh, and interestingly which uh, uh, I think this is always reasonable that you should really measure your foot at the end of the day because yes. it is, your foot is bigger. <laughs>
1: not, <laughs> you're not supposed to purchase shoes in the morning. Ideally, you want to measure or fit shoes because you can measure, right? And you get a shoe size. And then depending on the last or the mold that the manufacturer uses, the shoe might not fit you. So you actually have to fit your shoes as well because everybody, it's, it's not standard really because a shoe company kind of does their own thing because like Italian made shoes are narrow. Yes. People with wide feet do not have a nice time in Italian shoes.
0: So you're being a slave to fashion and impacting yeah, your health.
1: Shoes tend to be small. Exactly. You know, so it depends yeah, really what you do. You know, your shoe size. Yes, you go in asking for a particular size, but you should fit it. Beautiful. Well, the wonderful thing about the Internet nowadays is that most of the shoe companies, you can look at their sizing chart and then use it to determine, you know, your size in that particular shoe. But at the end of the day, the best thing for you is to fit your shoe. I see. And it should be comfortable, ladies and gentlemen. It should not be, oh, yeah, man, it will stretch.
0: That was another point. I'm glad you said that. that There is no stretching occurring. And you are going by that. Day
1: one, it's supposed to be comfortable. There's no breaking in. And I know a lot of people have a fear of having big feet. But, I mean, your foot is the size it is. I mean, you, you know putting a number on your foot that is not true doesn't make your foot smaller it is what it is
0: exactly right
1: you know and there's nothing wrong with that like that's why i tell i tell people i don't understand why you know you think there's something wrong with your foot because it's a particular size it is you know that's the size that's okay purchase to show that fits comfortably
0: thank you so much the 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 and this just came to me when you we were talking, Kimberly. My wife has me wearing these compression socks. And they mm-hmm. squeeze the... But living, Jesus. Right, for lack like of better words, out of my toes. I was just thinking that this can't be... is really uncomfortable. One of them in particular. That... Really,
1: where did you get them? Were you um, measured before you no, purchased
0: No, no, that was a problem.
1: Purchase them in a pharmacy? Or Online. Online. Okay, well, when ideally, uh, if you're going to be, especially if you're doing like a 20 to 30, 15 to 20 is usually not that bad. That's the lightest compression. Mm -hmm. Anything above that, it is best that you get measured. A lot of the online um, options, they tend to ask for your shoe size. And then you do your measurements. So you usually do you know calf and so on. If you're doing like uh, below knee, depending on which one, because you know you have above knee, below knee.
0: Yes. So mine mine is below knee, I believe. Is it? Yeah, Yeah, doesn't pass. But
1: squeezing your foot, maybe because they have some every company is different, and that's the thing, because some I've seen on Amazon. Some of the compression socks, they look really cool, by the way, because they have medical socks, no? Yes. That look, they have um, like an echocardiogram, echocardiogram readout and so on. Uh-huh. But they usually have like, a, like, you know, if you have like bigger calves than average, and if you have wider feet, they usually have those options outlined um, in the sizing portion of the listing on Amazon. Yeah. So it's usually helpful to read it and it should be fairly straightforward but a lot of them you can message them as well but at the end of the day what i usually advise people to do if you have access to your physical therapist you can ask them to measure you we do it every day all the time we also it's easy to do shoe sizing as well meaning you don't need a brownout device you just need a piece of paper you can do it at home, too. It's very easy to size your shoes, but it's also easy to measure for everything. So when you're purchasing braces and supports, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be measured. It is not ideal to walk into a pharmacy and just pick something up. I'm a size small normally. I'm like, how oh, do you know what size you are in a knee brace? Yes. You mean you're usually a small. Yes, no, yes. Look, eyes in chart at the back. All the time patients come with things and I'm like, it's your left hand. Why do you have a right hand with brace?" So all of those things, it's good to, you know, get a little help. Um, We're usually very open to answering questions. I always tell, you know, referring physicians that if you have any questions, feel free to call me. I will answer. And if I don't, I'll call you back. Or you can send me a WhatsApp. If you send me a WhatsApp, I will answer immediately. Because even if I'm with a patient, I can usually, you know, send you a message.
0: Yes, Kimberly has been very humble. She is one of the champs in the basically a champion physiotherapist, to another. well. What? a lot of the top people send people to her I, I don't know if I'm a top person but I send anybody I need
1: you are, you're one of the best <laughs> Well, Please. I don't know about
0: that but definitely No, no, you know, Rand,
1: I've been doing this for a while, trust me general public you can see Dr. One. <laughs> he'll sure. take care of you okay. he'll do his best that's really yeah. what you want from your practitioner ladies and gentlemen you want someone who will do their best every time
0: accurate that is that is all that that we ask
1: and not saying something that is accurate do your best every time that's all people need right that's all they need
0: yeah yeah i couldn't agree more you touched on this indirectly but you could could you give us an idea so when somebody says they need physio and they have to go to the physiotherapist. What does a session look like? like for example, I suspect the initial visit would take a little longer. But yes. what, what, what exactly? Let, let me give you a common example get Lower back pain is one of the pain of my existence. I I keep <laughs> I get so much of them. I I don't say near lot of them because I'm trying things. But what 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 would you do for a patient like that?
1: Well, um, the first thing that we do is uh, you have a referral. I would review the referral. And then what I usually ask is, you know, the the information leading up to your being there, like a quick summary. So you ask, you know, like, uh, what issues, challenges are you having now? How long have you been having these issues? You know, what has been done for you? What tests? you know imaging anything of that nature and then after that we usually do past medical history and so on before when you're being registered uh we also the social and family history to get an idea of you know what you do like in your spare time and also to really get into the ins and outs of the challenges that you're having activities of daily living your occupation etc and then we would move on to your assessment. But you are being assessed as soon as you walk in. You are being observed, looking at your posture, how you're moving, looking if you're in pain, etc. Then you would get on the examination table. And uh, we usually, in the case of people with low back pain, would like a view of your spine. Uh, I have found over the years, because you're, Assessment evolves as a practitioner and you know what works for you. There's a standard of care, yes, but I find that I like to look, touch, and then I move. So I like to look at the area, look at the person, assess them as a whole, even observing how they, you know, done or doff their, you know, take off and put on, you know, shoes and clothing, et cetera, if they have to undress That's a big indicator usually of any dysfunction or challenge that they may have or, you know, giving you an idea of the severity of their pain as well. Uh, And then after that, you palpate, get an idea of, you know, if the affected areas are tender and, you know, if the appearance of the area is normal. And then we would usually... While, um, you know, the assessment is going on, start discussing what is going to be done. Now, we have many modalities or methods that we can use to treat, and then we would discuss a treatment plan. Usually on the first visit, what we focus mostly on is education. So in the case of someone with back pain, we would focus on back care, meaning how you can assist your body in you know healing itself and getting to a point where you are either feeling little if any pain or you know you're pain free
0: okay so on average that this sounds like it's going to take at least it's over half hour or gone here yeah, it's, it could it's be. A,
1: a minimum for me of 45 minutes right so so, it's usually Five to 60 minutes sometimes a little bit over because a back is actually back pain is 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 i mean everything is kind of you know a little bit more complex than you would think but back pain is a symptom for a lot of issues challenges that you may have so your differential or your diagnosis yeah. is dependent on having all of those aspects to look at
0: do you require x-ray?
1: No, uh, not, all the time, not all the time, because I find my fingers to be my hands to be very effective a lot of the time. However, depending on the patient's presentation, for example, uh, patients who have like a, I don't know how to say this in a layman's way, right? Um, spondylolysthesis, like when they have a yeah. listhesis. Right.
0: So sp- the, that's a fancy kind of arthritis.
1: So, right. right. So when, when one of the bones in the spine has moved a little bit um, forward, yeah, um, I like an X-ray because I like to see the relationship of the bones. Right. If I did, I would like an X-ray.
0: I said that, I said that to you almost facetiously because somebody asked me if you guys actually look at X-rays. I said hello all the while. So you guys are better at reading them than us. No, not... no,
1: no, no. Uh, I look at images. I was actually before we got on, I was looking at a patient's MRI. I was looking at the CD.
0: Right. So that is it. it it's all. <laughs> is it? Is a gross misconception? As I said, we could have this talk and sh- even for this short time. We look anyway. at
1: blood as well.
0: Look at blood work.
1: Yes. Well, I, like, that, I like blood work. There you go. It helps me a lot. Because yeah. um, And ladies and gentlemen, you know, I, I am a big advocate for wellness visits, meaning you don't wait until you're sick to go to your doctor. You go annually and get your checkup, do your blood work so that we have records to compare so that if there are any abnormalities, we catch them early. Yes.
0: Okay, That's right so yes. sorry uh, uh, uh we're running out of time here a little so i wanted to I have some questions that generally by the way do you accept an insurance there with okay
1: foreign medicals with a valid referral from your medical doctor or dentist
0: it, it can it, it, the insurance is quite fine
1: yes Which I take? not everyone does but I take insurance,
0: yes. In terms of some modalities, I noticed that I'm going to jump to something that I'm just genuinely curious about your opinion on. The Epsom salts for feet. Do you mm-hmm. have an opinion on that? Do you, they really, the people are convinced it works. The literature, not so strong there. I, and by that, I hope everybody should know this their grandmother have some relative that when the feet are swollen they stick it in some warm typically warm water drop some epsom salts and they say the pain is gone so i was wondering and then i've had people use that for back pain so that's really why i I remember that so i said i really can't come off without asking you that as uh as Mm i as extra here
1: uh i personally i've never tried it and what we all as scientists have to rely on is the research, where you look at what has been done and then you get an idea of the efficacy of whatever is recommended. Because a lot of people, are tell them that um, as we know, reading research and doing research, you know that a lot of people who receive a placebo also reports stellar results. And a placebo means that they get like a water pill. There's, they don't get any real treatment and they report they're feeling better this is not to dismiss anyone's methodology but this is to say a lot of things are not proven you know to be effective through research but i have found that the warm water alone <laughs> soaking if feet, because we use Thermal modalities, we use, you know, hot pack and we use ice. So we use cryotherapy as well. They work. There is research to support that. So if you put a painful and swollen area in something, you know, you expose it to heat, you can get many, many benefits. Um, does the Epsom salts a, um, make a difference? Uh, we use it in iontophoresis um, where we... Uh, use it as an anti-inflammatory for an inflamed joint or area. And it has been shown to work. Uh, I don't think there's any recent research I've seen. I haven't really looked recently. I don't use iontophoresis. No, we use it in the hospital where it's an electrical um, stimulator that separates the magnesium from the sulfate. And then you drive the magnesium to get the anti-inflammatory effect, which is why, you know, you also give people magnesium supplements but transdermally you also have a lot of magnesium infused butters now or body butters that you can use mm-hmm. and i have seen i don't have any scientific research no blood work anything was done i have used been using the magnesium infused butters like for massage cuz we also i have a massage therapist in office so mm-hmm. we do use it and i have had it, like from everyone, 100% of patients over the period of the past like year and a half been getting stellar reports from the patients in terms of there being a significant difference. So in terms of our foot soak be right. effective or ineffective, not sure. But the transdermal magnesium application, I think there is some benefit to it. Is it a cure-all? Is it a godsend? Is it the best thing ever? I wouldn't say that because I don't have any evidence to support that, but I would say there is something to it.
0: Right. So that, I was just asking your anecdotal uh, contact with that because there's nothing in the literature that says that it works. And based no, on where, I, you know, where I operate, I operate in Estonia so I get a right. lot of the rural patients and they swear by it. So just, it's like, you know, it's like topical rubs. I was speaking yeah. to, I won't say his name here, but a well known orthopod that both of us know. And he was saying, Boy, Ryan, I just, I don't really bother writing anymore because I don't, there's no information supportive of it. So he just refuses. He just doesn't. He said, You can't get that. And he said, Luckily for them, they can get it over the counter, like a Volturin or whatever. And then it's just, the people are so convinced and I wonder if that effect, because some of them you know, I see hot and these, these fancy names, yeah. they will heat up the area and I'm, I really wonder if it's a little bit uh, mask in the pain, for lack of better words you know, it's
1: it's a counter irritant effect, when you have something burning you, <laughs> I mean, can you really not... perceive the pain?
0: Exactly right.
1: and <laughs> your skin is on fire, but yeah. I can say personally um that I have found some of them to actually make a difference, um, having had pain, Uh, not all of them. Um, But what I tell people is that the act of rubbing the area as well is therapeutic. Um, When you add the rub, a lot of people report a difference. Uh, I, I have myself found a difference, but definitively, To recommend it as being effective by itself, I would say no. As a part of a regimen, I think there is some value to it. But I don't think that it is a cure.
0: So again, this is uh, very good information for me because I just want to hear your spin on it. I still write it because, again, where I am, and Uh I get some, I would say there is one that has the most relaxant with the anti-inflammatory. I like that one. For some reason, it works. And there's this other one. I don't want to say any names of these things, but three, there are three or four, including the anti-inflammatory in it. Right. That one has in the capsaicin. So that one, those two, I kind of I rather, I rather like. It yeah. not only really it warm up the area, but they said they feel better. And I'm trying to get them to not swallow so much medication. That's why I like, even though a lot I have to spend more money, i forgot to physio. I said, no, you're going to thank me. And uh, invariably when I come to you and people in your field, they come back and say, Why, well, this was a good idea. I said, I think so too. <laughs> We're both yeah. in agreement. They said, you know, literally selling these tablets. You know, we can we can we can really do it another way.